0: hi before we get started on this podcast i just want to make a brief announcement that these podcasts of that i'm putting out the content that i'm putting out is explicit Sometimes you're talking about things that your littles or your olders might not want to hear or have them repeat. So being that said, make sure that you are in a space where you might not want to hear me coming out of your children's mouths. <laughs> um, but I do enjoy y'all listening, but I want this to be a getaway where not only I, but my guests can speak freely. And I want to make sure that we all understand that these are explicit podcast um, episodes and to make sure that you have your children maybe down for a nap or at school or at an event. Um, So please listen (laughs) to these podcasts um, alone without littles. All right, let's get started. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. I'm Christine Barr, and this is You Gotta Meet Her podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking with Erica. Erica, I've known her for a couple of years. um, I believe, yeah, a couple of years now. And she is Nigerian, and we'll be talking about that past of being from Nigeria, living in Texas, and how she had to kind of customize her life to live the American life, even though she was very young when she um, you know, came here to the United States. We'll also be talking about education expectations and the sacrifices that were made for her to be here. We're also going to be talking about family life and getting out of debt. Um, she and I are on a fire, Dave Ramsey money, you know, journey. Um, and I knew that she had a story that I wanted other people to hear. And I think it's very inspirational. Um, we'll also be talking about the cultural differences that she had to overcome as well. I cannot wait to get your feedback on this episode. So let's get in. Meet Erica. We're talking with Miss Erica today. Erica, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah. Um, so I am uh, 100% Nigerian. Um, I was born in Nigeria and raised in Texas. Um, we moved here when I was, uh, oh, I think, four or five when we turned 91. Um, pretty much lived in Texas most of my life um i'm married a mother of 3 um 34 years old and i work in the it industry
0: okay so let's unpack that so your ethnic background <laughs> is nigerian how did yeah. you get to be in the middle of texas
1: Yeah, of all places. Um, So my sister went to school in Tyler. Um, So when my sister was 18, she got a chance to come to uh, the States, the United States, to go to school, go to college. Um, And so we moved here um, because that's who we knew, um, closest relative, closest family um, in the United States.
0: Okay. So why did your mom or why, like, what was the decision that needed to be made in order for you to get to to, to the United States in general?
1: Um, so my, my, my mom wanted my sister, um, to have a better opportunity at an education. Um, life in Nigeria for women, um, is usually kind of already kind of set for you. You know, you have expectations of what your role is as a woman, what your role is as a wife, um, and I think based on how she grew up, she did not want that for her daughters. Um, so my sister got the opportunity. Um, my mom took the first chance, um, pretty much uh, got as much money as she could to make sure that my sister could come here. Um, and I think she wanted the same opportunity for me. Um, I am the, the second daughter, or not, well, second daughter. My, my mom had three daughters, um, one passed away. Um, to do a life. and so but she had six boys and I think for her boys she wasn't as worried um, because they could become anything and do anything in Nigeria versus opportunities for us as women um, was definitely a lot um, a lot less so she took that faith and took that uh, chance for us to have a better education so uh... I
0: don't know how I want to ask this question. <laughs> so, did you feel the gravity of having to move to Texas or the United States realizing how much she sacrificed?
1: Um, yeah, I did. Um, initially, um, not, probably not so much just because I was young, you know, um, didn't really didn't have the maturity to kind of figure out what exactly was going on. But pretty soon on, I did. I think um, a lot of that consciousness happened when I was eight. But um, when we first got here, I hated it. I hated it with a passion um, because at home, you know, I was A, the baby, um, the only girl. So I was spoiled. Um, My youngest brother, the youngest boy um, um, of my mom. He and I were like, we always hung out. Um, So leaving that to come here where there weren't any really kids my age, because my sister and I are 22 years apart. So uh, where we lived in our apartment, it was just my mom, her, um, and actually my um, oldest brother. And, And then me being, you know, just this little kid at home. So I really hated it. I was homesick Um, for the longest time. um, I would have dreams of wanting to be back home, wanting to be with my brothers. Um, But over time, you acclimate, you know, when you realize things aren't going to change. To
0: clarify, you said you moved here when you were eight?
1: No, no, no. So I moved here, we moved here in 91. Um, I think I was four going on five. Um, But I think when I turned around the time I was eight, we had kind of a turning point um, in our life here, um, and I think I've started to become more conscious about the gravity of the sacrifices my mom made. Um, my sister and her kind of, uh, they fell out, and so we had to uh, find our own place to live. And doing that at that time, when my mom had just immigrated here, she, we really came on a visiting visa. Um that visa expired obviously I think within like a year or so. By the time we did move, the visa had expired. So we were technically illegal here. So she had um no authorization to work, even though we had social security um cards. Um back then they would give you a social security card when you would um uh visit the states, but on it it would say not authorized to work. So my mom I, and my sister Yeah. Go
0: ahead. Uh, no, uh, so my question was, you were four when you, were, when you moved here, and yet you still had dreams about going back to Africa, to Nigeria?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that's something I still remember just even now. Um, when I think of my first memories of, of moving here, um, I just remembered not being happy, you know, because I, I felt so detached from home and homesick. Like every day, homesick.
0: Wow. Um, So can you clarify what your life (laughs) was like in Africa? Because I feel like all we get in the United Mm -hmm. States, this sounds so bad, a penny a day will save a child. And here you are, four years old, and growing up in Texas, which we know the Texas life but are just the the United States way of living how does that compare to your life that was in Africa like can you give us like kind of more <laughs> of a glimpse of like the different culture not necessarily cultural differences yeah but, like yeah. how that lifestyle was
1: so yeah the stereotype is you know what you just mentioned and then also like we live in huts and you know or we just you know live in poverty and everything but my life was really different. Um, we had maids. Um, my mom ran her own business. Um, I had a nanny. We had maids. Um, like I said, since I was the youngest, the baby, I was spoiled. So I got everything I wanted. Um, I had, at that time, um, maybe four out of the six brothers living at home because um, the rest were much older um, at home. So they, I had siblings to play with, you know cared for, nurtured for, things like that, um, didn't really have a want or need for anything. Um, I think the only thing really was my mom worked so much. Um, and I have a distinct memory of her leaving for work and just crying because I didn't want her to leave. Um, but other than that, like, we had a great home. We had a house, like a, like a house you would see here in the States. Um, I had a dog. Um, but in Nigeria, we don't keep our dogs inside. We you know, our, all of our dogs are outdoor dogs, um, and for the most part, I lived a good life, and that that changed.
0: So, was your life better in Nigeria than it was in Texas?
1: At the time, yes. Um, comparative to what life was once we moved here, going from a house, going from a house full of my siblings to an apartment with a sister who I didn't really know much um didn't know how to connect with because we were 22 years apart so you know how do you connect with wh- what do you guys have in common you know when you're when there's such a big uh, age gap and then my mom trying to find a career out here after leaving her business so monetarily I mean we took a big hit she took a big hit so I funny enough, experienced property here in America before I ever experienced property in Nigeria.
0: Mm, wow. Um, what was your mom's business?
1: Um, she was a caterer. So she had a lot of, um, if you go to like the airport, kind of, uh, I guess like a food stand or um, they call them cantinas. Um, so she had a few in the, the neighborhood the not, not the neighborhoods, the um, airports in Nigeria. And I think also catered just stuff out of home. Um, memories I have is her, um, you know, baking all the time, cooking all the time, um, like fresh donuts being made at home, which is, I blame her partially for my sweet tooth because when you get that at home, I mean, you always gonna want something sweet. Right. Yep.
0: Where's your father during all of this?
1: Oh, that's a tough story. So uh, my mom and my dad never married. Um, so when my mom um, was growing up, she, she got married at the age of, I think, like 14, 15, um, to a man who's not my father, so her first husband. Um, she kind of went the unconventional route um, and left him, um, I think, after having her fourth child um and then just wanted to live life for herself and not for somebody else. Um, she met my dad, um, and they fell in love, but because of cultural standards, you know, her being quote unquote, a divorcee, him um, not um, having been married and all of that, it's they just never, you know, they never got married. Um, but he is in Nigeria. Um, I don't have much of a relationship with him. Um, it's, there's no love loss. It just kind of, I don't know, I just kind of understood it as they just couldn't be together. So because of that, I didn't feel like I really had a father figure.
0: What was your first language that you spoke? Igbo. Is that the native tongue of Nigeria?
1: So it's not. Nigeria has, ooh, I don't know how many different dialects because it's a, it's a country. Um, so in my, um, I guess my portion or the part of Nigeria that I'm from, um, we speak Igbo. Um, there are, and this is me telling them myself, I don't know all of the, like, the dialects, uh, but there are I mean, hundreds of different dialects, but Igbo is one of the main ones um, that I speak and that people in Nigeria speak. Okay. Um,
0: I, I wanna just fast forward a little bit. You've been here for mm-hmm. a while, you're four years old, you start kindergarten? Or have mm-hmm. you already been in school in Nigeria?
1: Yes, I'd already been in school in Nigeria um but I don't remember like how the grading like the the uh, the grades worked there, but i I started kindergarten once I, I got here.
0: Okay. was it hard for you to learn English or were you like an e s l?
1: Um, it was hard in the sense of proper grammar um, because we spoke English. Um, in Nigeria but it was a very broken English Um, and it was somewhat British English Um, so when like in again a very distinct memory I remember telling my teacher that I needed to uh, urinate and that was I don't know why she was like no we don't use that term here and everything but I'm like that's what I need to do and that's that's the word I was taught in English to use for when I need to go pee you know, versus saying pee or you know use the bathroom. I think she wanted me to use the term use the bathroom, not urinate. Um, so I think I had to just learn American grammar and adjust that to the type of English I learned in Nigeria.
0: So you said that you knew that the pressure that you were having um, because of you know, like you you kind of got the gravity of your mom moving to the United States and what that was like. But how was that for you for school? Like, were you like an overachiever throughout all of school? Or was it kind of like it took you a minute to understand because of the language barrier? Which wasn't too bad. It was just, you know, you had to learn the different kinds of words that we use here. But like, how Mm -hmm. was that for you?
1: Um, So it was tough not... um not necessarily academically. Um, I, I think I picked up the academic part pretty uh, quickly, but um, not at first. Um, in Nigeria, we didn't really have homework. And so I didn't really understand the concept of homework. Um, again, a distinct memory. I remember getting in trouble because I would take the papers home, but I didn't do anything with it. And because my mom, not having really understood like American schooling, she didn't realize that, okay, I needed to like do this work. So my, I think my teacher like either had a meeting or phone call, I don't remember what, but they communicated with each other and come to find out, you know, I had been doing my homework. But once I got that, you know, um, uh, once I understood that concept, you know, things things got better. But what was the toughest for me was just adjusting culturally. Um, even though I spoke English, I had an accent, believe it or not, um, when I first got here. And I wish there were recordings of me when I when we first got here just because i would like to see it of myself and hear myself but um so i had accent, and of course kids being kids and being ignorant um you know they would call me um african booty scratcher you know all those names that you could think of of a foreigner or someone who's from africa um so it took a long time for me to kind of find um where i fit in um and took like a really really long time um just because, you know, kids don't, don't understand. And for me, it was a struggle between am I American? Am I Nigerian? How do I identify as Nigerian-American, you know, with what I'm learning that these kids do here versus what I'm taught at home and expectations of me? So it, it got to be a little bit hard to balance that and figure that out and navigate through that.
0: Uh, yeah, I can imagine that, especially at that age.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, it was not easy.
0: So I'm going to just throw this out here because I know that it's a big stigma and it's something that we all have (laughs) to, like, I just think (laughs) of like being a black person and talking to someone that is African, like, do you consider yourself African-American
1: or do you consider yourself black? Um, oh, that's a good one. So I consider myself black, but I consider myself Nigerian um yeah why is i don't um because it is my ethnicity um and my black is i guess my i forget what you know category that fits in um but african-american is not um from its own historical and symbolic meaning I would not be in that category in a sense, even though technically I am an African who came to America and became American, um, but I wasn't born here. Um, so that's why I don't identify as African American, also for the historic and symbolic meaning of, you know, what it means to be a a Black person who has lineage of slavery and um, ancestors who were you know immigrated here or stolen from their own country
0: so in back in Nigeria do y'all have those stories like is that part of your history of knowing that there were people that were enslaved or is it not even a thing because it's it's part of your history but we see it more as American history instead of African history
1: yeah, it, it wasn't part of our history. Um, Nigeria definitely has its own history with um, colonization from the British and everything. Um, but as far as the history of um, slave trade and everything, it wasn't a big part. And I don't know, since I didn't finish school there or go through um, the higher levels of school, I don't know where they taught, what level they taught that at and how deep they got into it. But as far as like African-American history and culture, um, the way it's taught here, it's not taught that way in Nigeria. Okay. Yep.
0: I I, I think that's something that I've always wanted to know. (laughs) Like, did they talk about people coming and being enslaved and getting captured? Or is it more of an American history thing because of the way they
1: got here? But I think they do probably talk about it. Um, but it doesn't go to the extent of them learning of, you know, American culture. I think if anything, they just talk about the slave trade, um, how that happened, and what part Nigeria took in um, took in it as a country, um British colonization, what that did to Nigerian culture um, and and things like that. So they kind of have their own, you know, um, black, uh, history, in a sense, um, with colonization.
0: So, I know this is, it's on topic, but off topic. Do mm-hmm. Africans get angry? And I don't say Africans <laughs> as, <laughs> as the whole continent. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like in your, in your experience, in your culture, do you, mm-hmm. did they get mad if you call them black? I have um, known no some pretty angry (laughs) Africans are like, I'm not black. I am, you know, from this place or from this place or from this place.
1: They, they can. Um, I, I'm thinking of my mom. Like, I don't know, or I don't have any memories of her getting mad um, at someone for calling her black. So in my household, I don't have any experience with that, you know, conversation of you don't let people call you black or you don't let people, you know, that's not, you know, who we are. I think um, that there are Africans who definitely have a problem with it. Um, I think just because of, and this is going into some controversy here, the, the way Africans perceive Black Americans here um, and all of that, so they don't want that association. And it sounds so fucked up. It does, um, and I think that's where that's rooted from. And then also a pride in your um, ethnicity and wanting to make sure that you are given the proper um, distinction as a, you know, a Liberian, a Ghanian, a Nigerian, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yep.
0: Um, have you seen Have you seen Blackish yet? Oh yeah.
1: Yep. <laughs> I didn't like the show when it first came out. I thought it was stupid. I didn't think it was gonna make it. Um, I wasn't vibing with the family, and I let that be known uh, as we watched it, but I really, really like the show now.
0: Okay, and then have you seen Black as Fuck on Netflix? Hashtag Black as Fuck
1: yeah. Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that show. Right? Do
0: you think it's because the name makes you think that it's going to be like a whole bunch of Black people shit, and it's like nothing about Black people shit, or is it... Like <laughs> the ridiculousness it's, of all of it.
1: It's the ridiculousness, the <laughs> ridiculousness of all of it. Because, like, and t- I actually think it is very much so about a lot of black people shit. Because, I mean, he, um, what's his name, Kenan Barris, gets really vocal about his, you know, opinions and everything his views, and they do touch on, you know, the the black white controversy and everything um but what it is for me and I don't know I guess I didn't realize this about myself until I started experiencing it and had such a negative reaction for it is the maturity level of like the kids um and like the like them cussing and stuff um and it just I don't know it I, I guess because I'm a mom I don't know what it is it just it makes me it makes me nervous like, oh, the kids cuss it so much. But I mean, I know they do, right? I can't just be ignorant to that. I know my son, my fifteen year old, he I'm sure at school cusses up a storm. <laughs> but I think that was one of the things, other than just like the girl, the all over the placeness of the show. I think that's why I can't quite put my finger on how I feel about it. I I'm very vocal that
0: I love the show because, <laughs> <laughs> because one, it cost, caught me off guard
1: that yes indeed
0: it caught me yep. so off guard i was not expecting anything but i also like anything that's recorded documentary style
1: mm-hmm. that's true
0: um like if, if it's recorded documentary style i'm probably going to be into it because documentaries are my jam But when he, when they went on vacation and he was like, they were like, oh, those are black people. And they're like, no, they're Africans. And he was like, yeah, they're a little bit better than us because we're the ones that got caught. Do you see that?
1: Oh, did I see that
0: episode? <laughs> you didn't see that episode? No. Oh,
1: my God. Okay, I'm going to have to go back and watch it. I think, I think I'm think at, like, the last, episode. Think like,
0: episode five or episode six or something like oh, that.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm on, like, episode three or four.
0: Okay, yeah, it's at the very end. But they made that comment, and I just, I know he's making fun of it.
1: <laughs>
0: but I've actually met people that feel that way. And
1: I have uh, like to hear African Americans who feel that way, or yes. Africans who feel that way.
0: No, I, I've I, when me and Brandon were trying to get married or whatever we were mm-hmm. doing last year, um, I was like, I want an African wedding, and he was like, What the hell is that? And they're like, you Mm-mm. have to like, I'm like, No, this is. Do you see? She's got Jimmy shoe. like she's doing this, <laughs> and this girl came the money out dance. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she came out in a cloud of smoke with tigers, and mm-hmm. and I was like, "What the hell?" I was like, hey, "We ain't doing that here." And Nothing. it kind of it kind of puts in perspective of that stereotype and like how you're viewed in social media and just media in general. I know that he mm-hmm. was making a joke, but do you see yourself represented correctly in social media?
1: Ooh. Um as a African social media honestly, like and on Instagram, yes. Um you probably go on my Instagram and you see a lot more African things, African pages and all of that than you would see on my Facebook. Um like I, I have African friends. Um, but actually less than I do American friends, which is kind of sad for me, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but like on my IG, there is so much like out there that, I mean, yes, I, I, I do think so. Only because in, Instagram lets you personalize really what you want to see um, in a sense. And so based on who you follow, that algorithm kind of like, you know, helps show you more people based on the type of people you follow. Um, so I think if you open up that door, Instagram allows you to see more into a culture, um, any culture, honestly, um, based on the more people you follow.
0: Mm. So true. How about the entertainment industry? No. No.
1: Well, entertainment, musically, yes, we finally, um, ooh, I'll say maybe, like, when did Afrobeat finally become popular? I'd say maybe like six, seven, let's round it up, less than 10 years ago, um, Afrobeat kind of finally got its um, international popularity um, in the States um, because obviously it's been big in obviously Africa and even in other uh, countries, um, England, Netherlands, like that stuff has been big, but for it to finally hit the United States, it, it took a minute. So I'd say less than 10 years um, it has been popularized, and it's becoming more and more popularized. Um, so from the music aspect, more so than um, movies and television. Definitely, we are not as represented in movies and television um, here in the States um, as compared to outside of outside of this country. Um, I think there is the first ever Nigerian woman who's on a show called Bob Hart Abijola and it's on CBS and it's about this uh, Nigerian woman she's Yoruba and she um, kind of starts falling in love with this white guy and that's the first ever depiction of a Nigerian woman um, on primetime television ever at least that I've seen Um, movie wise I mean I think We've been in some we've been in more movies and television show, um, but it's still very much so marginalized um compared to other um other ethnicities.
0: Is Nigeria a rich country?
1: <laughs> it is, but has it's rich in resources, but unfortunately poor in its democracy and its um citizenship, as in how people are handled there, how people are treated there, um, how fair things are there. That part is still, even though we're in 2020, is still very, very, very old um, way of thinking. Um, We have a lot of wonderful natural resources, and so because of that, before Nigeria, at a point, the... Um, naira which is the nigerian currency was higher than the british pound and to say that now somebody will probably laugh at you like the value of the naira compared to u.s dollar compared to british pound um or even euros is i mean it's laughable unfortunately um and that's just been due to corruption and greed and realizing we have all this you know untapped um wealth let's tap into it but let's not share it with all the citizens um let us use them for their uh, work in a sense but let's not pay them and treat them right um if that answers your question
0: it does um and not to sound curt or to sound (laughs) um like, I'm not taking this seriously. Yeah. It's almost like they're enslaving their own people.
1: Absolutely. No, they are. Um, they they really, really are. Um, and it, it saddens me. And that's also part of maybe the burden I carry with being here versus my other siblings who aren't and who are in Nigeria because they are intelligent. They have degrees, but can barely, you know, make it day to day because of just, you know, life itself, because of their um, occupation of what they do. You can literally work in Nigeria for a year and and barely get paid a month's work of salary. Um, they have um, something called Youth Corps that you do um, after you graduate, um, like college or something. Um, it's almost like, you know, interning and everything. And I mean, I've heard stories just from relatives that you know they did it, um, but they did not get paid, and if they got paid, it was maybe a month's worth of salary after a year. Um, so it it's just it's it's a sad story of what they're doing to their people. Um, it is unfortunate that as as much as we talk about you know the racial divide with whites and blacks, um, If you look at a lot of African countries, there is a huge divide just within their their people. Um, And it's more of a class divide, Um, you know, uh, blue collar essentially, and then your everyday um, working man.
0: Okay, so I want to go back to your storyline. Thank you for that information yeah. because I, I'm going to be honest, I am completely ignorant about that culture. So I, I feel like I try to immerse myself in different cultures. And so that's one thing that I just, not saying like, oh, I don't care about my African, you know. No, sure. yeah. It's just, I have never had the opportunity to talk with someone one-on-one like we are today but I really Mm. want to go back to your story so you're going to school you're doing well academically you figure out the whole homework thing
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) finally
0: what happens do you go to college is because that's why your mom brought you here like what what is what is your life
1: after school so again kind of touching on the burden that I share with the sacrifices my mom has made um to bring me here um yeah so got on you know Got used to the whole school thing, kind of figured it out. Started doing really, really well in school. Um, junior uh, National Junior Honor Society, National Honor Society, all of those things. Um, the typical, unfortunately, cliche Nigerian kid. Um, but then things took a turn my junior my junior year. Um, so while we were here, and once my mom realized that she was going to be staying here, she got, went on the path of trying to. Um, get her visa uh, so that she could get her citizenship Um, when they say that that is a a long road it is I don't even think that really describes the gravity of how long it is Um, my mom had to leave Texas to go to Michigan Um, I think first she went to New York and then she went to Michigan and she left me because I was still in school Um, And she didn't want to risk, you know, taking me from one state to another, um, especially because I didn't have, you know, all my papers and everything. So I stayed here. So I spent um, a a bit of time away from her um, on that journey for, you know, getting her green card and everything. She finally got her green card. And then um, she finally got her, it took maybe seven years for her to get her green card, um, maybe more. If I stopped to do the math it would take us forever so uh, (laughs) I'll just round it up to seven or more years Um, and then she finally got her citizenship um, when I was a freshman in high school and so the idea was that okay once she gets her citizenship because I'm her daughter I should be able to um, get grandfathered in in a sense and that was kind of the policy um, that they had. So we're on that path. I'm like, okay, I should be good. By the time my senior year comes along, you know, I'll be able to apply for colleges, you know, life should be all right. Um, my junior year came and my paperwork and processing my paperwork was going a lot slower than, uh, than intended. Um, I still hadn't gotten my green card. Um, nothing was moving. And then senior year came and still kind of the same thing. Um, And because I did not have um, a a green card, um, the policy for going to applying for um, state colleges and universities um, here in the States, not someone like in outside the country trying to apply for a student visa, was that if, when you check that application, the option is, are you a citizen? Um, Are you a visa holder? Um, Or are you a um, a student have a box to check so Mm -hmm. I couldn't apply and so that kind of what would be the word um it definitely derailed my aspirations and my hopes for what you know my college life would be but by the grace of God um I had been taking dual credit classes since I was a sophomore in high school Um, At that time, like, um, I think it was Brookhaven or one of the the community colleges here, they didn't really like check the applications or anything. Um, And especially since I was a dual credit um, student, they really just took kind of my information from from school, which um, that didn't have any designation, just security card. Um, So when I graduated, um, the only college or school I could go to was to kind of uh, sneak in under my dual credit um, application since I was already in the system. I just, you know, acted as if, okay, well, I just want to take um, community college classes and not go to university. Um, so that was the only way I could even start college.
0: Wow. So that was a journey then. Girl. <laughs> And probably a scary one.
1: Jewish journey, yeah.
0: Because it's like you were trying so hard to do the right thing, you're trying so hard to do the right thing, but like time after time after time, they're like, no, you're gonna have to sit here and wait and for your mom to wait seven years. I think that's something that we forget. They're always like, well, do it the right way and you won't have any problems. And it's like, well, we did it the right way. We were already here and it still took seven years of living in fear.
1: Pretty much, yeah. Um, she couldn't have a regular job. So thank God she had skills that was able to provide her an income by um, she catered weddings for people. She sold, my mom's also a seamstress. Um, so she sold clothes for people. She was a vendor for the Dallas Designing Women's, like um, chapter here in Dallas at one point. So she found ways to make it happen, um, without, you know, through all of that and then not being able to, you know, fulfill what I consider her dream for me, um, became a dream deferred. Mm. Wow.
0: Okay, so you finally get into school. What are you major in?
1: At first, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, obviously, the typical Nigerian um, path is something in medicine um, or um, like something in law. Um, when I was little, I think I told my mom, and I'm sure it was just because of you know what you hear, conversations of what you know you should be, things like that. Um, I want to be a pediatrician, so I was like, well, let me start taking classes so that I could, you know, go to medical school. Um, and then I was like, no, I don't know if I really want to do that. <clears throat> so the first year was spent kind of doing a lot of nothing, just like the the basics, getting through the the rest of the classes I had, had to uh, complete for my, um, I, think, I guess, like the core classes and stuff. Um, so I eventually, I kind of took a hiatus from school because of that pressure. Um, by 2005, I finally gotten my green card. Um, and so I was like, well, I think I, I felt a little let down and hurt by just the whole school process. So I thought that out and try to navigate that. And so that's what I did. And I kind of took an extended break until I went back in 2010. Um, and then I went back for nursing. Um, But I didn't finish that. And I think ultimately, although as much as I love I love science, um, I love the human body learning about it. I don't think nursing was something that um, was really in the cards for me. Um, And at that time, when I was going to school for nursing, um, I got married. (laughs) I found out I was having my first daughter uh, or my first child. Um, and so I was like, okay, so how are we going to do this? Nursing school, pregnant, newlywed, how is that going to work? Um, I just said, you know what, I'm going to you know, put my big girl panties on and, and try to make it happen. But it just, it just didn't. Um, so I took a break again um, to be a mom and figure out you know, how that is going to work, how raising a child is, is going to fit in my life. Um, and I, I loved it. It was one of the most scariest things I've, I've done. Um, as with any first child, you don't know what you're doing. You know, you don't know, you know, what day is which. And for me, my mantra every day was keep her alive. Um, so I took a break and then kind of, I, I haven't been back since. I always tell myself that if I really do want to go back to nursing, um, I will. It's it's never too late for me to. Um, so we'll see. So my, I have my degree, um, my associates, but I, I don't plan to do anything with it.
0: Um, I always like doing this because the whole <laughs> podcast is about finding common ground with others. Hmm. And I don't know if you've been able to listen to Sharisa's podcast. She's episode Charisa.
1: two. Um, and she oh, is- I'm bad with the names but I did listen to,
0: she was the second, I think the second one, Um, but she's Native American.
1: Yes. 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 I listened to 100%, hers. Yeah.
0: A hundred percent Native American and her journey of being like, I took a zigzag path, you know, mm-hmm. and I got, I like, my parents told me that, you know, education was number one. Yep. I still don't even really use my degree or, you know, like, or I still go over here and I go over here and it took me a zigzag pop. And it's just kind of funny that you also did that when education and you had the gravity of education, two totally different, you know, lifestyles and situations, But it was just funny. I, you know, just remembering like what is common ground that we've already talked about and she was very pressured into education, number one, and then you had your mom that moved from a whole different continent. Yep. And yet, still, you took a zigzag path. I just find that interesting.
1: I I call it the road less traveled. Um, that's kind of what I always phrase my my journey as. Um, and even though it's it's the road less traveled, there are a lot of us on this path and on this journey, and we've gotten here for whatever different reasons um but i don't know i I think i've reached a point in my life where i realized i was not going to be and won't be a conventional person just because of my my story so i'm okay with it um i have risen from the ashes as, as people would say um and i'm on a path now that is not typical um, I'm still trying to like figure out myself career wise. I'm getting there. Um, but I don't think that it will be the typical, you know, uh, get your bachelor's, get your master's, get your, um, doctorate degree, things like that. I, I think for me, it will be a lot different and it's taken me some time to come to terms with that. Um, first not feeling like I let my mom down, um, because of everything that she you know did for me and um for me to have an opportunity here but um at the end of the day what matters to me is not necessarily the status which nigerians if you know them they're all about status the first question they ask you is you know what do you do and if you're not a doctor a lawyer or really in any of those kind of like top five um careers then you're kind of dismissed um for me, I eventually figured that that's not what's most important to me because I really could give a shit. What I care about is taking care of my mom. And if I can do that, regardless of how I'm, I've am i done it without having a, a degree and still doing pretty damn well for myself financially, that's all that matters to me.
0: Mm, I love that. I, I think that's really important that you took a step back to look at, whole like what they call it, seeing the field. You know, you you mm-hmm. saw all of it and realized that that was something that you wanted to do, um, that you wanted to change that for yourself. Um, like you said, the the road less
1: traveled. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is um, indeed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I want to talk to you about where you are right now. What is Miss Erica going through right now?
1: Ooh, um, other than COVID-19, got everybody in the house and kind of looking at these four walls, um, what's going on right now is um, us preparing for, like, life in the future. Um, I know you and I kind of have a common um, interest in this, and it's us um, figuring out how to gain um fire you know that that financial independence um about a year and a half ago we started my husband and and really a credit to him um he finally was like look okay I'm, i'm doing all the research and he's always been a person a big proponent for saving money um but he finally was like okay i got the game plan and this is what it is and i was on board i said okay let's do it let's break it all down you know do our our spreadsheets let's figure out our budget all of that. Um, and so we've been on that journey for no, not a year and a half, I'm sorry, uh, since last year. Um, so that's what life is for us right now, um, for me right now. Um, raising my, my children, growing my family. Um, we hope to have more kids. Um, I, for my family, just want to instill um, a sense of love, a sense of home within the home, Um, that I didn't have growing up. So for me, that is, that's what life is for me. And as much as this pandemic sucks, um, I remember a year ago, I was telling my husband, I was like, man, I just wish life would slow down. Like, I just need a pause, you know, to be able to do the things I need to do around the house, um, kind of just like refocus. And I was like, if I could just take like a month off. And sure enough, we've been able to take more than a month off. I mean, I'm still working from home, but um, life has slowed down in a way that I could never imagine. And yes, there has been a lot of devastation and disaster and loss and grief in the, this in our country, um, in the world, really not even just here in the country, um, but there's silver linings to a lot of things. And one of the things that I see is just, the pace of life slowing down and giving everyone the opportunity whether you take it or not or whether you're able to um to really just be with your family and that can be really easy that can be tough um you can learn to love each other again or learn to hate each other but i think though it's an opportunity that we've all been given and one that i'm cherishing at this moment
0: so what no, I hear you, no well, so what I hear you saying is is that you prayed and you brought COVID nineteen.
1: So not really, <laughs> but <laughs> um, no, so yeah, you did this yeah. to us. You no, know what I was joking with my husband about that. I was like, man, baby, do you remember what I said what I said? Um, and he was like, yeah. I was like, but like, it I didn't mean like happened like this though. Like it, it was. I mean, like, slow it down for me, not for the whole world, but, <laughs> you know, again, I, I don't want to laugh about it. It sounds so, you know, uh, so cold, but again, silver lining in, in everything. Um, I mean, not even just your families, like, I think you and I are talking, like, the, what is it, the, uh, you can see, like, dolphins in Venice now, right? Like, mm-hmm. in, the, in like like, swimming. Um, The Himalayan mountains, you can now now finally see because all the air pollution that was um, covering the mountain uh, horizon, you you could never see it. But there are pictures now that you can take of uh, a clear view of the Himalayan mountains. And that is, to me, it's something to be thankful for and grateful for. And I thank God every day for at least those little blessings you know um we can be as angry and as um i don't know entitled as we naturally want to be about how you know we've lost our freedom in a sense um but me especially and when i talk to my brother in nigeria you know when he tells me what's going on there and just how things are um i thank god every day that I'm able to work from home. Um, I have a roof over my head. I'm not struggling to find food um, now even more than ever with it being hard um, in certain countries and continents. So um, I'm just grateful. Yeah, I may have caused COVID, but I just, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thankful for for the little that I have right now.
0: Oh, yes. It, it, I... I want to ask you this question. Y'all decided to live fire, which me and my husband are on that same journey. But what blessings or what things are you grateful for? You said you have a roof, you're able to work, but what blessings mm-hmm. has your journey trying to get to fire helped you through COVID?
1: Say that last part again, you kind of cut out. I'm
0: sorry for you to get through COVID
1: like Um, what
0: blessings do going fire um before you answer for the listener fire is a movement um me erica and two others were in a fire group um but it's called um financial independence retire early and so it's basically you are you are um financially independent where you're not using banks you're you retire Mm -hmm. early some people retire at 25 or 35 or 45 Mm -hmm. but where they don't have to work anymore and their secular job it's almost like you choose to do what you want to do um I just want to clarify that up because I know what you're talking about but just for someone that might not know so you went on this fire journey to you know you started the fire journey what Mm -hmm. blessings have you seen or what um things have helped you because you are starting that journey now
1: that COVID is hit? So it's, it's interesting that this started for us a year ago. Um, and was it
0: a year ago? Yeah, it was a year ago. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so it's interesting that this started a year ago. And when I say like, you know how people have testimonies, like this, this is a testimony beyond like what I, just for, for me, it's a lot because not knowing what was about to happen a year later, and us uh, starting what we did, it has given me a sense of calm that old Erica would not have had. Old Erica would have been panicked and freaking out. And let me kind of break that down, as far as what I mean. So my husband <clears throat> lost his job, um, was laid off in October, um, it was literally the week before our uh, wedding anniversary. And Normally, I would have freaked out. He would have freaked out um, because, you know, that means like we don't know where income is coming from. But, but prior to that, we had started saving. We had started trying to pay down debt. Um, and really, before knowing what we called, what we were doing, other than trying to not pay the man anymore, um, <laughs> we kind of started on, <coughs> excuse me, the baby step path, the Dave Ramsey path of. Um, working these steps to allow you to be financially independent. Um, so really big Ramsey um, and FIRE kind of go hand in hand in, in my opinion. Um, so we started saving, um, started trying to pay down debt. Um, we essentially budgeted, um, we took, we sat down, we calculated how much we made every two weeks. We um, split that up into our budgets and everything. So fast forward to October, um, he gets laid off. Um, thankfully, he was given um, a severance, but still, you, you're still, when that happens to a family, the uncertainty that, that hits you is just, it's mountainous, you know. Um, but we had calm. Girl, we went on our anniversary vacation with not a care in the world because we finally had a plan on how we were going to dig ourselves up out of Um, debt and not being able to see the fruits of our labor by going on vacations, um, by doing things with our kids and having experiences. Um, So that happened. We were calm. He said, you know what, I'll just take the the rest of the year off. Um, You know, he's working on his own projects and stuff. And he's, As much as he works for the man, his dream and his desire and his um, plan is to do his own thing independently, figure out how he will do that. Um, so he said, I'll take the end of the year to just focus on that. Then March hits, and COVID happens. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen with my company. Um, first what they did was they furloughed contractors. We had over 500 contractors, um, for the company I worked for, I worked for MoneyGram. Um, and then they cut our pay by 20%. Um, and then on top of that, my husband's severance and everything running out. But my husband, being who he is and having that drive to not be in debt anymore, he took a part time job um, working security. So, because he was like, I, what our income is, I don't want us to touch that. I want to have a, a extra income so that we can use that to pay debt off. And I wasn't on board with it because I was kind of being selfish. I was like, you know, I miss you and I want you home. and you know, it's nice having you here. When you've gone overnight, um, would not, um, you know, it, it wouldn't work because I, you know, I want you home. But I understood the bigger picture, and we did it. He did it in the sense, and because of that, before the pandemic hit and before everyone everything shut down, we had become a hundred percent debt free, um, minus our um, mortgage. And so uh, let me let me backtrack that. 100% credit card debt free, um, car note debt free. Um, the only thing we have left is our mortgage and our, um, our student loans. Um, and that happened right before the, the pandemic hit and uh, the, the lockdown happened. Um, so to answer your question, it has been the difference of stress and what would be maybe arguments with you know us as a couple and trying to figure out what we're going to do um and it's allowed us to be calm and take a breath and realize that the fruits of our labor from a year ago is what's helping us not feel so stressed out even with me getting 20 percent less in salary um my husband's severance ending um we're okay you know so that's that's what it's done for for us um. Yes. Essentially. Um. If you count as far as me making more. Yes. Okay. Yep.
0: Um. So I just want to say yes, ma'am. You are <laughs> because I saw you right before COVID hit, and you were like, "Bitch, we dead free." I was like, "Yes." Yeah! <laughs> And um, I feel like I went on this journey with you, and we were kind of going through all of it yeah. together. And
1: yeah,
0: I had so much joy. I felt like I did it. Like,
1: <laughs> girl, we all went in. Everybody went in.
0: Yes. Like, <laughs> I, I felt. Oh God, I was so happy for you because I remember a year prior, just yeah. talking about the possibility of it happening. Yeah. And so to see this, I just think it's super beautiful. Um, are you ready for your Spitfire questions?
1: Oh, what's the Spitfire questions? Um, I, I, I guess I'll have to be ready. Yeah.
0: Okay. What's your sexual orientation?
1: So I identify as bi. Um, obviously I'm married because I talked about my husband, um, but he is the person I've chosen to navigate life with. Um, I didn't think it would be um a guy but out of all the people i've been with um he is cliche as it sounds he he literally stole my heart he won my heart whatever you want to call it um he has my heart so um it ended up being him um i i am attracted to women um but man he uh he beat all of them to the punch, man.
0: Oh, he put it down like that.
1: He did. He did. Like okay, for real. You know, dead.
0: <laughs> are you spiritual or religious?
1: Um, I am religious. Um, but I the part of religion that I have issue and take issue with is the church, um, only because of what it's done to kind of um, what would I say water down, taint um, the meaning of having faith and believing um for its own selfish gain and and purpose um but I do believe in God um I think too many things have happened in my life for me not to believe in God um at first growing up I don't think I, I questioned it um just because of how people use and abuse the name of God um and even in with Nigerians Nigerians will be the first to tell you they are you know ride or die you know, faith believers, they believe in God, they will worship God all day, sun down and sun up, but they would do some of the most vile and evil things. And so for a while I struggled with how do those two work? Like, you know, how do you have this faith that teaches you to love and to be kind and um, be forgiving and be merciful and give grace, but yet you have the blackest heart possible. So For a while there, I struggled, Um, but as I matured and life happened for me, I realized and saw the beauty, um, the grace of God, the blessing of God. Um, There are many times where I shouldn't be here, Um, and only, and as cliche as it sounds, but God, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here.
0: Mm. Are you a taker or a giver in the bedroom?
1: (laughs) Um, because of how he spoiled me, I am a taker. Okay.
0: What do you but consider as your body type?
1: Ooh, um, I am top-heavy thick chick.
0: hey Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your favorite color?
1: My favorite colors, um, would be purple and, like, turquoise.
0: Um, are you I don't spindle? have one. Okay. (laughs) Are you a spender (laughs) or a saver?
1: I used to be a spender. Um, Like, I would buy shoes for days. My husband asked me how much did it cost, and I'd tell him I don't know. Um, Now I am a saver, and I don't think I will go back to being an unconscious spender. I'm going to still spend, but I will be a very conscious spender. Intentional. Yes, intentional spender. There you go. Yeah. But majority saving. (laughs) Are
0: you a Democrat or a Republican?
1: I, um, I don't identify as either, honestly, but I guess if you had to say one or the other because of voting, it would be Democrat, but I still have my own views of the political party, and there's, there's bad on each side. I guess I chose the lesser of the two evil.
0: Okay. Are you a good girl,
1: a bad girl? Hmm. Why can't I be both?
0: Okay. Are you a rule maker, (laughs) rule breaker, or rule follower?
1: I am all of the above.
0: What is your natural hair color?
1: Black. Brown. If my daughter was here, she would say, girl, it's brown, because you told me your hair is not black. When you see it in the sun, it's brown, girl. Oh,
0: (laughs) I just, I want to tell this story before we get, um, for Valentine's Day, Erica was there and I, I wrote all the women love letters and I just remember her hair was like, you have the most amazing hair and I just remember saying, do not touch her hair. (laughs) There's going to be a podcast coming up and with another girlfriend of mine and I say the exact same thing. Do not touch her hair. It's Mm -hmm. beautiful. It's gorgeous. But don't touch it. I'm just going to to say it now do not touch erica's hair
1: um
0: who's your role model
1: um my role model isn't a particular person um it's more of a category of people um people who are entrepreneurs um strong ass black women um men who don't conform to what society says they should be and how they treat themselves and how they treat women and individuals so if you are killing it in those categories i fucks with you
0: yeah so um i noticed you said if you're a a strong black woman like is that is that because that's what you are and you want to be with someone of the same color or race or cultural background or is that because you feel like black women don't get the support that they
1: need um it's both um You know, I think a lot of women, Black women can say that they have, and some don't, but for me, I had a strong Black woman raise me. Um, And so I identify with that and I gravitate towards that. And so for me, when I see that, it's like home for me. It's like a place of nurture um, that I get so much from. Um, On top of that, when I see that, it's great because we don't see it so much. We are seeing more of it now. And I know like how they, they talk about, you know, there's not enough of that being depicted, but there's so much more now than there ever was before. So I will take that, you know, so you're and here for I pray, it. I'm here for all of it. Mm. Okay.
0: Um, any plastic surgery?
1: No. Mm-mm.
0: No Botox, no, lip, no. No,
1: I'm not gonna lie. Like, even at your uh, Galantine's thing, I was talking to like these two ladies, and they talked about how they got like um, the the laser stuff and like other stuff that they would get. And that was probably, and it's so funny because, again, not to make it a black thing, there were two black women. Um, and I very seldomly, if ever, had a conversation with black women about like, um, those type of things from an aesthetic standpoint. Um, I'm, I'm, my hair's natural. And so because of that, I follow a lot of you know, natural hair stuff. And so I gravitate more towards the natural, I guess, um, category of, of women. But I am understanding that, you know what, self-care, self-love, sometimes you, there are certain things that girl being natural just is not going to get you. So if it means, you know, getting a little Botox, getting this, I don't judge at all. Um, I don't know yet for me what I would ever do um, just because I just always have these fears of the repercussions and what my body and how my body would react to it Um, based on just my history I feel like I'll be the one who it it fucks up with (laughs) you get Botox
0: and then the whole half of your face is numb
1: exactly so I I don't know yet. I don't know if I'm there yet, but I'm open to it, and I and I don't judge anyone for doing it. Do you, boo? <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: salsa being a given, guac or queso?
1: Oh man, I love them both. Like, but guacamole, I'll take guac over queso.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I you know, I think that is one probably like out of all my questions that I ask my client and my not my clients, my guests that like, <laughs> come on.
1: I am a client though,
0: yeah, client, <laughs> you are a client, but it that's probably like, the most Texas question I hope mm-hmm. I had, is like because it's a thing here. Like, if it you're in Texas, you know, like, are you guac or queso?
1: Or are we just gonna get the chicken? Mean, <laughs> exactly. It's on the menu. That's the first thing we ask it when we sit down. All right. So is it chips and guac Chips? Queso? Salsa. Which one is it?
0: Yes. For me, it's it's do you have yellow or white queso? Like
1: <laughs> Ooh, wow. You know what? I I guess I've been more exposed to yellow, but I've had white and it's good. I, I don't do know if I have a display.
0: I do not eat yellow mm,
1: cheese
0: at all. Mm. It's a thing I don't I'll kill you. It's it's a thing, um, but is there anything <laughs> that I have not asked you or we haven't talked about today that you're like, hey, girlfriend, if you don't listen to anything else, this is what I want you to hear.
1: Um, no, other than just like resonating, repeating the the term of you know the road less traveled. We all have a journey that we take, and it's ours. Um, whatever culture says whatever society says all those things at some point in our life we do have to figure out that this walk is for us and no one else and until we realize that um we aren't better for it um I'm not perfect by any means and I'm still trying to figure me out um like I've talked to you about many times um I'm still trying to figure me out but I'm getting to that point of um You know what, your life started out this way. Why you keep trying to fit into this cookie cutter mold? Like, don't and be okay with that. Um, so it's still a work in progress, but my my road less traveled is is a journey I'm okay with being on.
0: I took so much away from this podcast. Um, the biggest point that I really took away was the sacrifices and the trying to get a green card here in the United States and you think about oh it's a sore subject right now talking about immigration and who can be here and who couldn't be here but I don't know if you noticed she was she made the statement that they had social security cards they just weren't able to work And things have changed. We're in 2020 now. This is back in the 90s, you know, early 2000s, over 20 years ago. And how much of that has changed in the viewpoints of what we see today? Also, I love the story about her and saying, yes, I spoke English, but it wasn't what, you know, we speak here in the United States. The story of saying, I need to urinate versus I need to use the restroom and how You know, at that age, it could be a little bit more devastating um, to be corrected, thinking that you know what you're trying to say and someone always correcting you. um, And it still sticks with her. She still remembers that story. And I love the story about getting debt free, um, her living her fire or on her way to fire lifestyle and that her husband losing his job wasn't necessarily a setback. They were still able to take their vacation because they took the steps of getting out of debt. Um, And that quarantine, you know, COVID didn't affect them as much as it did others because right before they were consumer debt free. And I believe that that is just a story that might touch you um, or might be insightful for you to kind of look at where you are and what we can do differently. I want you to see Erica, you can go to our Facebook page you got to meet her podcast. Um, There's conversations happening there. You get to see a picture of all the ladies that we have for each episode. If you have any questions or you think there's somebody that I need to get on the podcast, please go on the Facebook group and say, hey, you got to meet this girl or I want to be on the podcast. I love to have you. It's super exciting to talk to everyone and we're all deserving of telling our story. With that being said, I will see you on the next one.